Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, with the latest installment of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast, where I get to talk to our editors and reporters about the most compelling stories and sources they're covering. Today, my guest is Housing Wire Senior Mortgage Reporter, Georgia Cromry, who covers the federal beat for us, which is always fascinating. Before we begin, though, here's a word from our sponsor. TMS is out to grow happiness for you and your customers. From the way they pick up the phone to the innovative, intuitive technology that makes things easier for you and your customers, TMS is all about providing the best experience in the industry. It's why they have grown to one of the top 10 in the nation and why they've earned a 98% customer satisfaction rate. Partner with TMS and see for yourself at subservicing.themoneysource.com. Georgia, great to have you on the podcast as always. Thanks, Sarah. You are on the beat that never sleeps. <laughs> always when I when I look at okay, it feels what that gonna, way. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure it does when I when I look at okay, these are the stories we're gonna cover. I was like, okay, how to pick. There are so many stories since the last time we <laughs> talked. So but I did I did want to narrow it down. We have three that I was gonna cover. So one of your latest articles covered what regulators are doing to encourage the use of special purpose credit programs, which has been an uphill battle. So maybe you can describe this latest effort. Yeah. So um, so really, it seems that regulators are doing everything they can to kind of get the word out and make sure that, um, that, that lenders know that they um, can do these special purpose credit programs. Um, and so, so the latest um, effort on that front is there was a letter yesterday from basically all of the financial regula- regulators and, and housing um, regulators that, uh, that that matter in this space, the Fed, the FDIC, OCC, CFPB, HUD, um, DOJ, FHFA. I am sure I am missing one, but it's, it's not personal. Well, that, um, that is the alphabet soup of all alphabet soup. Yes, all, 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 of, all of them. Um, and urging um, lenders to develop uh, special purpose credit programs. So, you know, the, the backdrop of this is that these, the ability to make these targeted lending programs, um, it's been around for 45 years, but um, but lenders haven't really um, there. There hasn't been really widespread adoption because there there were ambiguities, there were questions that um, that remained, and um, concerns that some stakeholders had raised about whether making a targeted lending program, so you know, basing. Uh, your lending program on a protected class. Say you want to reach a specific ethnicity because they are underserved in your um, metropolitan area, and so you you target a lending program and you you know you you tailor your marketing efforts. That generally that kind of behavior, you know, targeting based based on a protected class, like there are um, fair fair lending laws against doing that. Um, but not for special purpose um, credit programs. If it's if it's a special purpose credit program, if it serves a community that um, that is not well served by the um, by by um, 
by the the current lending practices and um it's it's meant it's it's meant to to be beneficial but there were questions still whether you know if a lender creates a special purpose credit program and um it you know for some reason does not meet the um qualifications of a special purpose credit program say they don't they don't do the right research or they you know something is something is off or it's or it's maybe not as beneficial as the the as the program was meant to be would they then get get um penalized or um investigated or or would there would there be a compliance risk um from a fair lending standpoint um and so and so that's really you know that's that's the that's the tension here that um that lenders are um are are still a, a bit um a bit reticent um because of that well and we can understand why right um it's this where it gets so tricky so you know they all wrote they've been trying to clarify this for a couple of years actually to be like no 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 it's going to be okay but without a safe harbor you can understand why lenders are like, I feel like I'm just taking, I'm just putting a target on my back if I don't, right. you know, if it's right. not exactly clear, because on the one hand, you have regulators who are, you know, often the bad guys if you're a lender, right? And they come out with really aggressive rhetoric, like uh, what you reported on earlier uh, or last year from the CFPB director who said, you know, regulators have learned their lesson and we'll be scrutinizing servicers and just really some pretty aggressive language, which is is totally in line with their normal job of regulating. But then in this case, they're really trying to use the carrot, not the stick, but, but yeah, not, yeah, not sure that's effective. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not sure this, I mean, it's an open, it's, it's an open question whether um, this letter makes much of a difference. One, one ex official, ex CFPB official I spoke to said, you know, I, I mean, this doesn't really change the, um, the, this doesn't change the situation from the lender's standpoint. Um, um, you know, I, 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 I think like there are, um, there are definitely things that could, I think, effectively move the needle on special purpose credit programs. I'm not sure if this letter does it, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's the, the, what, what you said, that's absolutely right. That's what I've been, um, I have been hearing that the fact that there is no safe Harbor, the fact that you can't, um, um, you know, send in your proposed special purpose credit program and then have a regulator um, give their blessing, you know, or, or you know, issue a, um, a, a letter that, that approves it somehow in some, in some formal way, you know, give, give some sort of safe harbor. That's, that's really, um, that's, that's really a limiting factor here. Um, but, you know, on, on the other hand, um now all of these regulators have said that um that special purpose credit programs are fine if they are designed with um you know to comply with ECOA regulation B um and safe and sound lending practices so you know you can see it from both sides it's 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 like you know obviously the lenders are going to um, um, be a little bit reluctant if there's any, if this opens them up to any sort of risk, but, um, but you know, this is, this, this is, this is something that they should be able to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're still, we're still in the early stages of seeing what kind of look back regulation, you know, the federal regulators are going to take when it comes to servicing for the flexibilities around, um, you know, COVID-19. So at that time, right, they 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 really wanted to assure people it's okay, go ahead and, 
you know, err on the side of serving the borrower, even if it's if it's a little bit uh, dicey on on some of the things that we normally require, we still don't even know exactly what what that look back looks like or or how those things are being, um, te- you know, evaluated. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a tricky thing for them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. One, you know, one, one other thing that I'll say about special purpose credit programs, um, they they also have um, a connotation of kind of being being punitive or or something that you do if you're not making the grade otherwise, and and part of that is like how the um, how, how the programs are envisioned. Um, you know, they are supposed to address needs that are um, not being currently met, and so and so that already presupposes that you know you're you're not you're not um, you're not cutting it with your normal lending practice practices. You need a special um, program ah. to address it. The other big reason it's it's like um, viewed as kind of uh, punitive or an admission of fault is that special purpose credit programs have been used um, by regulators um, in settlement agreements with lenders who have uh, been accused of redlining. Um, so, you know, in, in, in their settlement, the, the uh, regulator will say, um, you have to do a special purpose credit program as, as punishment for um, your, your um, alleged practices. So, so again, maybe the maybe the connotation of the program itself isn't something people are like, yeah, let's do that. You know, it's not. Yeah, very and funny. until lenders really feel like they have to do it because all of their peers are doing it and they have to keep up, and if they don't have a special purpose credit program, they're going to fall behind. I think it's going to be really challenging to see that um, to see that snowball. However, one one thing that could help it snowball that um, that 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 Fannie Mae hinted at in their um, in their 10K um, was that that if if the GSEs were to support um, special purpose credit programs, I'm I'm not I'm not sure how they would envision doing that, but but there are um, lots of ways. But if they were to sort of throw their weight behind special purpose credit programs, um, I think I think that would definitely uh, move the needle for lenders if 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 they have the GSEs saying um you know you you need to, you need to do these then um then then that that could make that could make a big difference um and and that's something that um that fair housing advocates like national fair housing alliance have um have have specifically called on the GSEs to do and they hinted at, at that in their in their 10k Fannie Mae said that um that 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 might be something that ends up in their equitable housing finance plan so it will be very interesting to see I am so glad you're keeping a close eye on that. Um, it, it will be interesting, and I can understand why they're looking to the GSEs. Like that's usually the lever, right, that they want to see pulled. So exactly, exactly. We will we will keep an eye on that. The next the next article I wanted to talk about was uh, the one about the new FHFA Inspector General Brian Tomney. Uh, I think I'm saying that name right. Uh, tell us yeah. tell us about him. Yeah. So um, so he comes from the private sector. He um, he he led. Um, the Office of Corporate Investigations at Capital One. So basically, he, you know, led internal investigations to um, um, to um, look into allegations of internal fraud, um, unethical business practices, and now he's going to be um, the Inspector General for um, FHFA. 
And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting seeing his testimony, um, before the Senate banking committee back in, it was back in, um, December, but, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think he acknowledged the, um, the tension that, um, is, is natural in, um, you know, the, the relationship between a inspector general and the agency that, that they're responsible for. Um, and, um, you know, of, of course, of course, that's particularly relevant for FHFA because the, um, last, um, Senate confirmed inspector general, Laura Wertheimer, um, resigned, um, after, um, an investigation, uh, found that, um, that, that she abused her power and, and, um, you know, there was, there was retaliation against employees for cooperating with, um, uh, with investigations and, you know that that some of that behavior might have been um, at the behest of the FHFA director. So, um, so you know this 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 to me was interesting. Um, Tomney was interesting because he acknowledged that um, kind of well he didn't he didn't talk about Laura Wertheimer specifically, but he acknowledged that that kind of that that tension that can exist between the IG and the head of the agency. Um, and you know said said that he would be um he, you know if 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 hypothetically the um director of the agency were not to cooperate with an investigation or not provide information that was needed for an investigation he would um he would be prepared to go to congress um to 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 seek remedy so um you know it 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 seems it seemed pretty strong to me and um you know of, of course acting director thompson also was very supportive so um so so it'll it will be interesting to see what um, you know what what course the um, the IG takes what what they spend their um, their energy on um, now that 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 they have a, um, a confirmed um, confirmed head of head of the IG there so yeah it, it, I'm I'm very I'm very curious what they will um, what they will focus on. That relationship is just always interesting to watch. It's the watchdog of the watchdog in some ways, right? So (laughs) the regulator of the regulator and, you know, no company or entity is perfect. And so, you know, that there's been some, you know, to your point, there's, there's been some activity there that has been questionable. So, you know, the IG becomes so important. He, he faced some interesting um, questions from Congress when they were, you know, when he was doing that hearing about, you know, coming from the private sector, coming from Capital One, could he really, uh, you know, take a take a hard stand? And I think he obviously convinced him that he could. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. I mean, it is. I think it's difficult. Um, those those hearings, you know, you're very much walking the line of um, you, know, you don't want to do, to to answer in any way that would um, endanger your um, your confirmation. Um, and, and of course he, he, it was, it was not a, um, I, I have not heard of any, um, controversy surrounding his nomination, um, or his, his, sorry, his confirmation, but, um, you know, of, of course he, and there were two other IGs, other agencies that were all confirmed by voice vote, um, last week. So, um, so, so he, he, I would say, yes, he convinced them, um, and, and, um, you know, or at least did not raise any red flags. Um, 
Yeah, I, I one one thing that um, that I'm um, I'm interested to see how he will approach is um, the so in the um, Inspector General FHFA Inspector General um, annual plan, they said that they would be taking a look into FHFA's efforts to address appraisal bias, which is a really hot topic right now. A topic with a lot of tension, um, a lot of um, a, a, a lot of um, stakeholders who don't always see eye to eye, and I am really interested how um, they will navigate that, what they might find, if that would um, take a long time to, um, to to find, or if or if or if some sort of um, audit would um, would materialize pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I think I think that's one really interesting topic that he could turn his attention to. You know, anytime you talk about regulators and and the long term focus they have, the problem is, of course, is that you know we have elections. And <laughs> those elections might mean that you know the the party in power and in one cycle is not the next. And, you know, in the last couple, what couple cycles, we've seen sort of a whiplash between what regulators have done. So it's interesting to me on the appraisal bias. Like, I feel like if they don't get on it quick and get it done, will, will there be a loss of momentum if we have a change in the administration next go round? So, you know, to me, there's a time, there's a timer going counting down right now. Yeah, I, I I think that's that's very fair. Yeah, and that's and that's with any ad- administration. I think like their policy agenda, it's they really have a small window. It makes you really, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times, but it, it makes you really wonder how um, how long it's going to take to get um, a Senate confirmed FHA commissioner. Um, you know, Julia Gordon has has still not been confirmed, and unlike other nominees that um, that are awaiting confirmation, she's not um, she's not at the agency. Um, like you know, Powell and and Brainerd and and Thompson are all already in their positions, but um, you know, so so that ticking clock, it's like they she can't even get going um, and, until um, and, until yeah. it's always a tricky dynamic to navigate. It is. It is one of the good and bad things about our system, right? <laughs> can be can be hard. Um, the last the last article I really wanted to talk about was your recent one on Freddie Mac rolling out direct deposit income verification, which I know this is a huge deal. It's it's one of the things that surprised me the most when I you know started writing about mortgage and started getting into it. That these are the kind of things that absolutely hold up the process so much. Like you're like, how can something this, you know, seemingly easy to solve still takes, you know, adds days onto the process, which is income verification. So tell us a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this was one of those stories, you know, I have this job where I get to ask people questions and sometimes the answers are really surprising. And for this one, my job was like literally on the floor. I had no idea that most of the mortgage market, the overwhelming majority of the mortgage market still relies on paper stubs for income verification, even though, um, you know, most American workers have direct deposits. So it, 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 it makes, you know, it makes no sense. And, and obviously is an area where, um, you know, there, there, there can be some, um, some, some development perhaps. And yeah, so, so this, this latest, um, effort from Fetty Mac, um, they're they're going to um, have an automated process um, to assess 
prospective home buyers um uh direct deposit income so um you know they they obviously say that the, that this is going to speed up the process and and make it more efficient um uh details specifics additional requirements all of that um is is somewhat um tbd they said that that um that they'll have specifics in their in their march bulletin um but the way it will work is um is is similar to um to the the rest of of their um um automated verification system where you know a borrower will um will or uh, sorry a lender work with a vendor you know in this case finicity um mastercard form free um point serve others uh, so a, so a lender will work with a work with a vendor to offer this service um, for borrowers and um, thereby making the process much much more efficient, according to Freddie Mac. You know, we, I, I think like you, um, we're always surprised because I think we're in, in the job that we do, we are in touch with some of the most forward thinking lenders, the biggest lenders, the really innovative ones. And so it's just shocking to go, what is the actual percentage <laughs> of lenders out there? You know, if you're a smaller shop, a mom and pop shop, whatever, that are still paper-based and it's just, it is always shocking. I've, I've closed two houses during the pandemic and both closings were absolutely completely unchanged as far as I could see from like 10 years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, so, that's shocking yeah. to me, but that's true. Yeah, it does. It does really speak to, um, you know, the, the lenders, the lenders that we talk to, it's a good reminder to get out of your bubble and talk to people who, um, who are, who are not so out there, you know, and, and, um, and get a better understanding of the, the current state of the mortgage market, um, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about where it's headed and and um, and how it's changing. Um, but of, of course, in this case, you know, um, Fannie Mae and, and and Freddie Mac. In this case, Freddie Mac um, have a great sense of where the market is, and I'm always very keen to um, get information from them that that can in, in, inform you know what's what's actually happening in in the market. Um, so speaking of Fannie Mae, um, usually these, you know, one goes and then the other follows. What, uh, what have they said anything about rolling this out on their end? I have not heard anything um, on on um, on this from Fannie Mae, but um, but it could be that I've that I've missed something. I I don't I don't think they have said anything about about, about this. Um, but yeah, that's that is what um, what. I have often um, seen that's that's what we observe, for example, with um, including um, rental payment data. Um, you know, Fannie Fannie Mae had a had a initiative to do that, and um, then then Freddie Mac had a you know slightly slightly different approach, but but you know same same goal of of incorporating um, that that data into underwriting in order to um, to allow more people to um, to qualify. So yeah, I, I, I would expect that, that they are, um, they are also working on, um, initiatives to make this process, uh, more efficient, but, um, but I haven't heard of any specific that are, that are about income verification. Well, we will stay tuned for that. And, and speaking of that, you know, these are all stories you've covered. What are you working on that we can look forward to? Yeah. So, um, so, so one thing that I am um, working on now is so um, 
Congresswoman Maxine Waters said that um, she would be introducing legislation um, in light of a recent email that was sent by an appraiser to um, to a researcher who's done um, some work on appraisal bias. And um, this email, we we noticed it a, a few weeks ago. Um, this this email was, um, you know, pretty unsavory. Um, I, I I think it's fair to say it was it was racist. Uh, and and Waters wants um, Fudge, Secretary Fudge at, at HUD, to look into it to um, in, investigate um, systemic um, discrimination in an appraisal, which HUD is already um, HUD is already doing that as part of their um, their appraisal bias task force. I'm unclear what additional um, what additional steps HUD might take with this and with this specific appraiser, but it raises questions. Like if this appraiser was sending this sort of um, you know this 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 sort of communication to a to a researcher, should their appraisals be audited? Should their appraisals um, stand? Um, you know, should should they have additional education? Should they be allowed to continue doing valuations? I don't I don't know. This is obviously a really um, a, a really tense um, situation. Um, but you know, the fact that um, Waters is is wading into this issue really um, it, it suggests to me that there's that that you know there's there's going to be a ramping up here. Um, and I'm not sure what the legislation will look like, but, um, uh, you know, that's, that's something else to, to keep an eye on. Of course, we're all waiting for the, um, the report from HUD's task force on appraisal bias, which is supposed to, um, be, be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So, um, this, this was kind of, this was an unexpected development. Um, you know, an, an appraiser, um, wrote wrote uh, a a um a, a, an email to a researcher and it's resulting in um potentially legislation to um tackle um appraisal bias appraisal bias is such a thorny issue for for the reasons that you mentioned like okay well what is the appropriate thing to do then and then should that call into question if if someone does something or or says something that is clearly racist then you know what is the look back on all of the on all of the appraisals they did and how would you ever make that right uh, you know the other question i have is who's responsible for the appraisal for the appraiser who does that like does the lender who picks them the amc who picks right. them these yeah. are these are usually not in the amc or right so it's uh it's it's tricky all the way around and glad you're keeping such a close eye on it um, we know that you're working on several stories around this issue so we'll we'll keep an eye out but georgia thank you so much for joining us and letting us know what you're working on thanks for having me looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022 or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com forward slash membership.
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.